This is Coda Radio, episode 484 for September 19th, 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a look at the art of development and probably the world of technology. We'll get into all of that. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week from our base in Florida, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris. Hello, handsome. You're sounding really good. Sounding healthy. I'm feeling a little better. Uh, Granted, I have some menthol powers at work right now, but... (laughs) Feeling pretty better. Well, you're a soldier, and uh, I'm glad you made it. I had a question for you, because I have a little story. Mm. Do you ever do the Instacart thing? Order your groceries and... Uh, Instacart in particular, very rarely. Okay. Maybe like uh, once a quarter. I'm trying to like lean into it a little bit more, because it's been a really busy week, as we're preparing for the road trip. And uh, we ended up, we ended up uh, with the kids on a night that we hadn't originally planned for, but worked out fine. And we thought, oh, you know, on the way home, We'll order some groceries and uh, they'll be there when we get there. And it'll be perfect timing because we'll be arriving right at dinner time, and the kids are going to be hungry. So uh, the wife jumps on the old Instacart and orders us up, orders up a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries because we need some stuff for the weekend. And man, is food expensive here. Wow. And uh, all is good to go. We get a little push notification as we're uh, heading north saying, guess what? Your delivery has uh, arrived. Enjoy. Thank you for being an Instacart customer, et cetera, et cetera. We think, okay, let's get going. We've got frozen foods. We need to hustle. So we rush, rush, rush. We get home, pull up, and there's no groceries. Uh, and our, our, and uh, I step out, and it's, it's, it's instant chaos. Instant chaos the moment I open the door because our neighbor has a friend over who has a couple of dogs, and they're just out free roam in the neighborhood, and they're in the driveway, and... Levi jumps out of the car. He wants to go see the dogs. Bark, 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 bark. Woof, woof, woof. And then the kids jump out. Hey, dogs, dogs. Oh, you know, so I got three kids. Oh, look at her daddy's dogs. And it's all this chaos. And this neighbor lady comes over. This, this neighbor lady's friend comes over. She's half deaf. She's trying to talk to us. And she says something like, oh, do you live here? And, and we say, yeah, this is, this is us. It's like, oh, I think I just turned away your groceries. And we're like, huh, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, no, somebody just tried to deliver your groceries and I refused the delivery. I, I, I thought they made a mistake. And we're like, what? what? Why would you do that? Yeah, I just thought they, I thought they made a mistake. Oh, my Sorry Lord. Sorry about that. Of course, Instacart's now charged us for the 200 plus grocery order. Yep. This person's marked it as delivered. We now have to plea with Instacart support to refund us. They refund us credit in the app eventually, but that doesn't mean we get the groceries. So then we had to go get more groceries. And double spend and double time. I, I mean, this stuff is a catastrophe sometimes. And so this week I read that Instacart is planning to do an IPO. You know, this these apps that start on the back of all of these contract laborers who are a little sketch sometimes. Yep. And then they go and they make billions. And of course, they're, they're pitching this entire thing as it's a great opportunity for the employees to buy shares and really invest. Right, of course, as the economy is going to and people can't afford these prices. I ordered food for the guys last night after Linux Unplugged for Thai food. It was $120 for, for the three of us. It's just, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. And then the, the uh, DoorDash guy gets over there. He's sitting there for 30 minutes. I text him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to have to cancel this order. This is taking way too long. And then guess what? Next thing you know, the order's on its way. Something shady's going on with all these businesses. 
you know, and they say they're disruptive. I don't think so. I actually think they're exploitive is what I think. I don't, I, I mean, I'm glad people can go get a little extra work and, you know, for those people out there that's working for it. Great. I mean, it's, this isn't a universal statement, but there's something about seeing Instacart and DoorDash and Uber Eats work towards these IPOs and work towards these massive share programs. And meanwhile, as somebody who's on the other end of this, I just keep having a worse and worse experience. That's all. Just a little, I guess, start the show with a complaint. As, as is our, our way. You know, the kids these days is really what I'm saying. Yeah. Except, except for generally, it's usually older folk. So Jacob R. writes into the show, the ads are coming. If it's not a subscription model, more and more app developers are resorting to ads. And it's not just the independent shops either. In the recent article, which he included, Microsoft is leveraging their ability to deliver ads to the free users of Outlook. Yep. Um, he wants to know what your take is. Do you monetize every part of the app you can in the development shop or are there parts that maybe you could intentionally release for free? The ads are coming. Should we just deal with it? Should Microsoft just bend and reduce how they monetize their customers? I mean, it's not really fair to them either, I suppose. So what's your thought? The ads are coming to ads. He believes that you're going to see it baked into all aspects of the apps that we haven't seen before. Uh, at the same time, he thinks maybe it's a viable way to pay developers. So the, the, the problem here is that people don't want to pay for stuff, as we've been talking about since 2012. But the, the new problem that's going to start coming is as more developers turn to ads to monetize, the rates on those ads is going to dramatically go down. So this is kind of a, a, a progressive sort of issue, right? Because the more people turn to this, the more aggressively they're going to have to uh, you know, basically shove ads into their apps to make the same amount of revenue. And I have had ad-supported apps out in the past. That's a, that's a tough hustle. I think you're right, Jacob. I just don't... You know, It's one of those things where I think a lot of people... And I hear it all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to make an app. It's going to be like, I don't know, right? Like a Magic the Gathering life counter. And I'm going to throw some ads in it. And then I'll make money. But the truth is, it's it's just, there's just not that much money in it um, at most scale, right? Unless you're a huge app. And that's different. Because then at that point, you're not really just like shoving ads in, with like iAd or, uh, you know, Google's um, AdMob, I think. I think it's called AdMob. Is it still? I don't know. I can't keep. They might have. I think they may have changed the name. But <laughs> it's the Google version. Um, you know, the bigger apps have like ad sales teams, right? They're they're like podcasts where you. Well, it's not even true for all podcasts. We still do it that way, but there are some who just do dynamic insertion of random ads. Oh yeah, it's getting huge. It, it reminds me a lot of the beginning of the app store when like an app could be like nine bucks or five bucks, and then you know we went from nine to five to two to one to ninety or to ninety nine cents rather. And then it just became zero, effectively. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's 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 definitely a collective action problem because you know it is always going to be in the individual developers to shut incentive to shove more ads into their app, especially if they're not like bespoke apps for like the Apple hipsters, um, you know, people who don't really care about ads. But that is going to devalue the ads themselves. So it sucks that we lost this monetization fight, but we did. And uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I know you didn't say just for indies, but I, I, I will say for indies, getting any amount of money out of end users these days is, <laughs> it's just like any, like a buck. Like I buy me one K cup. It, it's really just not, 
it, it's hard. I mean, it's, I, I hate to be right because I know Chris and I predicted this years and years ago, but this is where we are right now. Yeah, I'm, I am fascinated to see how far this goes. I know there's definitely the conversation in the podcast industry that you and I have talked about a little bit on the show that's evolving really quickly around just dynamically inserting ads and kind of monetizing things that you haven't monetized before. Like the one, another initiative that I've, uh, I've seen out there is kind of companies will browse the app store or the play store and reach out to developers and say, Hey, have you thought about monetizing your, your app with ads? Look at this. We could promise you this, this amount based on your downloads. And they're kind of proactively asking developers sort of like these dynamic insert companies are proactively act, asking podcasters, but they're all really low numbers. And, and it, they're going to get lower. Right? Yeah, the more people say yes, the lower it gets. I'm, what I'm trying to figure out, I wonder if you have thoughts, is why is it just hitting so hard all of a sudden? Because the digital advertising market in the broader context is in pretty bad shape right now. Uh, a lot of contraction. But it seems like the low end is just exploding. Well, I, I think a lot's happened, right? And it's um, it's kind of related to each other. My impression, and you would know a lot more from the podcasting side, is there's just a lot more podcasts, right? I remember like JB, even before Coder, was super niche, right? It was, are you a Linux fan? Are you a techie? I don't know why you won't bring my Star Wars, uh, Star, what is it, SWOTOR? I, what was the name of the show? Stoked. Oh, uh, uh, Stoked was Star Trek Online. And right, you had a show dedicated to one MMO that was not even like one of the top MMOs. No, I'm just a Star Trek fan. Right, exactly. It, and it, it's um And you know what? The show did decent, you know? It did decent. Well, that that was that was kind of the thing and I think that's why we're able to still sell the types of ads that we do because we're so focused. But I'll give you a great example. So I've been playing Magic again and I've been kind of into that kind of gaming world again. Oh, I I was completely unaware of that. I I know, right? And I'm like, let me see if there's any Magic the Gathering podcasts. And I just did like a dumb query in Overcast. Holy mackerel. Like Everybody and their so I did the same thing for like Linux now and there's I haven't really looked for new shows on anything in a long time. It's very different than let's say 2012. There's right? every conceivable topic has a hundred podcasts. It's really something. Yeah, my fiance loves true crime and she can listen to somebody get butchered in an alley all day every day because that's apparently a thing that people like. Plenty of that. Yeah, it's remarkable what you discover. I believe. I mean. Because I recently took this, I don't know, over a year ago when we got an email when somebody said, uh, hey, what do you guys think of Web3? And then I just went down the rabbit hole of, well, I need to at least get a solid understanding of what this is. And so one of the things I did is I went, I went podcast shopping. And, um, you know, you just you, you type in like Bitcoin or Web3 and there's uh, 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 hundreds and um, maybe four of them <laughs> are any good at all. Like it's really, oh. The bar needs to be raised. Otherwise, podcasting is going to get a bad reputation, I say. And, you know, if I just had less on my mind, if I had one less thing to think about, perhaps perhaps I could help solve that. Perhaps the uniform lifestyle is the answer. MTG Jacob writes in. He has wise uniform words. He's glad to hear that you enjoyed TCG Con as well. Hopes you're still going strong with the commander sessions. And standard. Okay. Sorry. All right. No, I, you know what? I don't. I don't need to know. I, it's good. I'm just, baby, I'm just happy that you're happy. There you go. Uh, he says, I wanted to respond to Chris's dilemma re- regarding the uniform lifestyle. Trademark. Uh, I've been doing this for a few years now. Identical shirt, jeans, and the same pair of shoes nearly every day. It's super helpful, and most people don't really notice. 
One piece of advice I have for Chris is you will need some variant of shirts for housework, cleaning dishes, messy jobs, essentially, if you want to keep your uniform clothes clean. You don't want manual labor eating away at your clothes and shortening the lifespan of them. But maybe this is just because I organize cleaning for certain times of the day and I can change accordingly. In any case, I found it very helpful practice. And if done simply enough, most people don't even pick up on it. Uh, <laughs> all the best and uh, to Chris and keep on tapping, Mike. You know, Jacob, that's a great bit of advice is you do need the work clothes. I think this is my post-trip job is to get myself a uniform. I got to do this. Even this morning, so I, I got up early this morning because I didn't sleep much. So I just sort of threw in the towel, you know, decided to get up early and get down here and discover you'd put the whole show together. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I have an easy morning. <laughs> Told you I would last week. Yeah. No, you did. You did. I just, of course, forgot. But I, I got dressed in the dark and then I got down here and saw what I, you know, put on. It was so wrinkled and awful and just so disheveled and doesn't really match. And I'm just thinking, yeah, this is a problem I don't need anymore because there are Usually one week, one day, if not a couple of days a week where I'm getting dressed pretty early and just don't even really have the capacity. So I think it's happening. My only thing is like, if I'm going to do it, I don't want somebody else's logo. You know, I don't want like some clothing brands logo like Carhartt or, you know, just as an example, uh, I'd rather have my logo. So that's my, so then I'm starting to think, well, could I, could I make myself something, you know, make a few of them. That's kind of what I'm thinking. We'll see. I uh, guess what? This is the last coder that's going to sound decent for a while because um, mm. <laughs> for like nearly almost the next month, I'm going to be on the road. Actually, I think I think it's going to sound OK. Drew and I worked on it ahead of time a little bit. I sent him a few samples. He gave me a few tips. God, he's so great. Uh, so actually, I, I'm hoping it's one of the better sounding uh, in terms of audio quality road trips. But when we uh, hang up, I'm going to do like the last little bits of post show stuff I have to do. And then I'm hitting the road. And I'm doing the West Coast tour, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. So by the time you hear this episode, our Southern Oregon meetup will have just concluded. But our meetup near Sacramento is nigh. So we'll have details at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you're in the Oregon area and you missed our Southern meetup, we're going to have one more in early October in the Portland area. So details there at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And then future events, now that we're doing the West Coast this summer, Probably checks that box for a while. We're going to do a different area next year, hopefully, if everything goes as planned. And we'll set up location-specific chat rooms for every area where we do these types of events. And we have a directory of those in our matrix spaces. But just the easiest way to get to it, honestly, is bit.ly slash matrix meetup. Linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. Support the show while you're checking out something really cool, too. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. You got to try it for your next project. Maybe you want to experiment with something. It's what I use when I'm testing things and then when I flip over to production. And Linode is always rolling out new nice upgrades. They've been improving their UI, which I already think is top notch. But an area they've recently focused on is their one-click deployment marketplace. Oh, I love the new changes. And now I can quickly see the new projects they've added. So like sometimes I'll just spend an evening playing around up on Linode with one of these new free software projects and learning about it. And if you're a performance hound, just a little bit ago, they rolled out NVMe PCIe storage, new AMD Epic processors. They are their own ISP. They have 11 data centers around the world. I mean, just checks all the boxes. But the other thing that's great is Linode's business is architected in a way where they have real support. They don't have to just cheap out 
on the support. They've built it into their business model. So great support. You call them, you get somebody, they stick with you till it's fixed. And you combine that with their great documentation, fantastic performance, and how easy it is to integrate with any of your infrastructure management tools. Guys, there's really just nothing that checks all these boxes and is reliable and trustable like this. It's something you can run your business on for a decade or your personal site forever. You know, you can find some cheaper places, I would imagine. But, you know, you better be prepared to migrate in six months or a year. You're not going to get this kind of support or you won't get this kind of performance or this level of integration, right? It's just all of these things because Linode's had to make a great product for 19 years to get by. And it's a very competitive market. And they figured it out and they just keep making it better. That's why I keep talking about it, because Coder Radio listeners love Linode. They keep signing up. They become customers. They recommend it to their friends. I know you're going to love it, too. Go try it out and get 100 bucks for 60 days on a new account and support the show by going to linode.com slash coder. One more time. Let's do it together. Linode.com slash coder. So, Mr. Dominic, you got a first look at something brand new from JetBrains, and I have been absolutely curious to hear your take. You haven't shared it with me. You've been a good boy. I have. I haven't violated any NDAs, but uh, we get to hear what you think now. Yeah. So, uh, one, there is no NDA. I just got into the early uh, whatever. <laughs> you hacker. Yeah, you just filled it for me. So, it was uh, the JetBrains fleet editor, IDE Lite, and... If you're familiar with JetBrains, they make PyCharm, RubyMine, Rider, um, WebStorm. Uh, but basically, oh, yeah, IntelliJ, right? Their big one's IntelliJ, the Java one. They have a product management tool called Space. I know virtually nothing about it. I tried to demo of it once. It wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, but this is basically a editor. Think of it as like an IntelliJ Lite. Almost like the... I, text wrangler to intellij's bb edit now that's a deep snow leopard era mac os reference so they don't say it but it feels like it's trying to be the just enough ide it's interesting so i i have thoughts and i and fifi's of course right off the bat this is if you're like a hardcore intellij user this is not going to replace intellij for you at all Right. If you're if you're deep into the refactorings, if you're using all the fun Java tools, right, like the spring tools for the annotations and all that good stuff, you're you're probably going to be sticking with with just, you know, IntelliJ proper. They say they're considering open sourcing it. I find that hard to believe given their business model, but maybe they are. It's a lot like VS Code in that you can add plugins to it. And make it more full featured, so it it straddles that weird like it starts out as like a like honestly, if this came out a few years ago, this would have been like the TextMate two replacement for me. And when I say a few years ago, I time dilates, and I really mean like six years ago. <laughs> I do like it. I'm not trying to kind of slag it off here, but there's a free electron powered elephant in the room, and that's VS Code, of course, for reasons of just pure economics. And network effects, VS Code has effectively become the de facto standard tool for this type of workload. And frankly, it does a very good job, particularly if you're working in Python. Fleet looks really cool. I wish it had come out about six years ago. Oh. I think it could have become that TextMate 2 replacement for the dev hipsters like me who like are willing to pay 70 bucks for an editor. With that said, 
I've used it straight for about a week and a half, and I see no real reason to abandon VS Code. And it does not replace heavier IDEs. So I am a JetBrains customer, right? I have a, the whatever it is, their toolbox pack. And for Ruby, I tend to use Ruby Mine rather than just VS Code because I, I like some of the, uh, just more of the assistance and I'm used to it. It doesn't replace that. It is in a lot of ways a direct competitor to VS Code. In fact, I would just say it is a direct competitor to VS Code. Think of it as like Sublime Text 3 on steroids. I think if you are deep in the JetBrains experience, if you just hate Electron, if you just you know don't like Microsoft, you'll probably want to take a look at this. It, it, this is what's painful for me, right? It's, I felt this way about Nova too. Nova from the Panic Guys, they're a Mac native editor. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Fleet or Nova. There's re- they're really great products. But VS Code exists. VS Code is free. And it's taken so much of the mind share and the market share that the plugin story... I mean, I don't even like wonder if some weird file or some weird thing a customer wants me to look at. Will VS Code have a plugin? They always do. And it's always good. So I don't know where that leaves us, but a little sad, I guess, because market domination by a behemoth. Yeah, it sounds like you feel there's not really a place for it. Like it doesn't quite fit anywhere. It, it doesn't. So the, the part of this that I'm sure if anybody from JetBrains is listening to that I'm kind of ignoring because I, I just don't believe in it is they have this whole story about spinning up instances of fleet as like web IDEs. We've covered those kind of tools for years, right, Chris? I mean, we did, um, what was it? Uh, Cloud9. Cloud, yeah, you know, yeah. A bunch of them. We, I, I can't even remember, right? There and also VS Code can do that too, right? The versions of VS Code just running as a node server. I just don't think that's that strong of a use case. And I've had conversations with people. I'll give you an example. I like the Warp Terminal on Mac. I wish I could get a Linux copy of it. Those guys seem to feel pretty strongly that it's more important to get their web-based distributed terminal up and running. I, I don't see it. Right. This may be one of the things where we were super right about Docker. I might be super wrong about this. But I just don't think your whole dev stack is going to go into Chrome. I don't think it's going to go into the web. I mean, is it a web app or is it, is it a native app? Because it seemed to me like kind of the conversation around this was, how do we build something that doesn't use Electron? Well, they've got some weird... So, so the, what the big problem is their cloud features are quote-unquote coming soon. Uh-huh. So to answer your question, I can't really answer it, right? It sounds like a cloud nine to me. Yeah, They have deep integration with Spaces, which is their own product management tool. Which again, if you are deep in the JetBrains ecosystem, then this probably has a lot of just like process advantages for you that make a lot of sense. Yeah, and they pitch things like like that collaborative editing just being built in, being native, and then yeah, integrating with all of those products, like you say. But so is VS Code, right? Live share. KP in the chat room says, unfortunately, I feel the same way about JetBrains issue tracker. A lot of niceties, but I just can't compare with the mindshare of GitHub, GitLab, and Jira and Bitbucket. It's like it's the network effect, but the reason why that's sad is that's um, that means they they're basically entrenched until they kill their own. Money. Yeah, I mean VS Code is well, one before we all you know render our garments. Nothing is eternal. Yeah, I mean people couldn't have imagined text, TextMate being abandoned and dying. It just kind of was right. It happened. I know there was a TextMate three at some point, I believe, but no, was there? Or is that like an open source like community thing? Well, Vim never dies, so I don't know what you're talking about. I, but I would argue Vim is almost like a utility. Yeah, I'm just kidding. And nobody's buying Vim. Right. 
I wanted to love this so much just because I wanted to be kind of a hipster too. But it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Interesting problem. And I'm curious just to kind of top this off. What are your thoughts? If they don't open source this, does this have even less of a shot? I don't think they should open source it. You know where this has a shot? I'll tell you exactly where this has a shot. Corporate environments that have the JetBrains corporate licenses with strict IT that the developers can't install their own tools. Sure. Good market. This would be the closest thing. This would be the VS Code. So I I don't think this product's DOA. I just think if you are an independent developer or you know someone who gets to make the decision, VS Code does everything you want to do and presumably will continue the, frankly, just insane rate of plugin development and will do more things that you may want to do in the future for free. <laughs> God, that sucks. It's the it, honestly, it's the Google Docs problem, right? Why is there no innovation around word processing and spreadsheets? Well, because Google Docs is free. Yeah, and it's, and Microsoft Office is for many people who buy a Windows computer, effectively free in some form. Why is there no great Linux mobile operating system? Because Android is free, and Android's good enough. People can just use that. Where's my Ubuntu TV? Yep. Where is your damn Ubuntu TV? <laughs> tailscale.com slash coder. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, Chris, what's your secret? Tailscale, I say. That's where I go to sign up for free for up to 20 devices. It's a great way to support the show, too. Tailscale.com slash coder. You get yourself a zero config VPN that you can get deployed on any of your devices in just minutes. Raspberry Pi, your phone, your VPS, your VM, your various desktops with your crazy setups. It all works with your carrier grade net, your firewall rules. It's smart in how it routes, so it's not just like blasting all of your machine's traffic through the tunnel. It's the stuff you need to go to the Tailscale network. Everything else routes through your regular connection. You can leave it connected 24-7. It knows how to route the traffic intelligently. Something else that Tailscale does that I love is it realizes when two of your nodes are on the same LAN. So if you're talking Tailscale IP to Tailscale IP, it doesn't like route it out to the internet and back in. It goes direct over the land. It's so smart. And now Tailscale SSH allows you to establish SSH connections between your devices in your Tailscale network, as you've already set up, using your Tailscale access controls. You don't have to manage the SSH keys. It'll authenticate your SSH connection using WireGuard. It's so great. And Tailscale Send, it's kind of like AirDrop, but over the Tailscale network to all your Tailscale devices, including your GNU slash Linux boxes and your uh, Windows boxes you know you know i don't know what you run but tailscale send works on all of them including the command line which is so handy on a headless server sometimes so handy i recently used that to copy my nix config over to a brand new setup get it on there because tailscale is like one of the first things i always set up guys it's so great and you know copy the config over using tailscale send rebuild the box my whole workstation setup it's so awesome oh i could go on forever but i'll just end with this Go to tailscale.com slash coder. It's going to change your game. When you're famous and you're walking down the red carpet because you've, you've game, your game is so changed, they're going to ask you, they're going to say, hey, you, listener of Coder Radio, what's your secret? And you're going to say, tailscale. Tailscale.com slash coder. All right. I didn't see this one coming, but I think it makes a lot of sense for this. Speaking of consolidation. Yes. Adobe has bought Figma for twenty billion. billion. Oh, come on! Billion, billion. billion. Pickies up. Yep. 
The thing is, it's kind of the same story we were just talking about. It's a tooling story. And it's about, in this case, proactively protecting their market share. <laughs> in other words, taking old yeller behind grandpa's shed and putting a bullet in the back of its head. Yes. Yeah, it reminds me of like when the old car companies would buy like the little upstart electric company and then just suppress everything they had done and it goes nowhere. Here's your money. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an NDA. Now shut the f up. Right. There you go. The acquisition will allow Adobe to incorporate Figma's popular design tools into its widely used portfolio of creative apps. I just want to say the Adobe PR team ought to be fired. They were so close to an amazing Borg reference. All they had to change was incorporate to assimilate. And they were right there. Your biological and technological distinctness will become our Your own. Your browser-based technology. Your life will adapt to service us. <laughs> to service us. We will rebrand it Adobe Photoshop Lite. They had to do this because what Figma is, is a set of design tools designed to replace Adobe and do it better in a collaborative way. Like that's what Figma is all about. And so that's why they're getting $20 billion is not necessarily because their product was necessarily worth it. Uh, I guess Figma hit $400 million in annual revenue, but $20 billion is sort of Adobe's defensive acquisition because they just can't afford to lose that market and they need that tooling. And what do you do when what's succeeding in the market is a tool that's been specifically designed to oust you from small and medium businesses? Like they were screwed. They panicked and they spent $20 billion right before possible tech recession. Like we may look back at this in nine months or a year and laugh that they spent $20 billion to acquire a company making 400 million. <laughs> so they spent $20 billion to smother the nearest real competitor to them. Yeah. And before everybody writes in about sketch and acorn, I'm aware of them, but let's be honest. It's not, not the same. I don't think Adobe's crazy for doing this because one, it's funny money anyway. Right. Yeah, I suppose if you got the money to burn. And, you know, to me, the, the weird thing, I read a bunch of coverage about this and only one guy in my mind got it right. And I don't remember his name because I suck. But he was the only one to mention the other side of this transaction, the Figma board and the Figma, you know, founders. And most importantly, ye old investors who want ye old exit. Right. Uh, the IPO market is, uh, it's, it's, it, it's dead, Jim. It's dead. Yeah. I think you're thinking of at J Finance on Twitter. I think I am. Yeah. It's so these guys, first of all, they sold at their high, right? This is the old get off the stage while they're still clapping and throwing panties at you. Good work. Figma. Very savvy. Very, very, savvy. very savvy. This was the right move for Figma. It's naive to, th I think, honestly, in the next couple of months, we're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing because the, the valuations, we've talked about this a lot, but the valuations, on a lot of these types of SaaS companies are so crazy. Another big thing for Adobe, why they went to the creative cloud, is the multiples uh, that Wall Street gives you on your share price for SaaS is roughly double, I think, of just like regular revenue. So they may make this $20 billion up in a couple of years, if not less, by having Figma. And just, I honestly, rebranding it to like Adobe... Art Studio Cloud or whatever. I, I'm sure the name will suck, but people will buy it. I know lots of people, myself included, who have an Adobe subscription. They're not happy about it, but it's the standard, right? If somebody's going to send you a file, they're going to send you an Illustrator file or a Photoshop file. Absolutely. It's, 
it's just the way it goes. Um, should this be allowed to happen? I don't know. Ask Lena Khan. If I was the founder of Figma, would I have done this? You bet your sweet Gungan ass I would have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, they are set for life. Like, in, there is that element to this. Uh, his name's Dylan Field. He's the CEO of Figma. Him and his leadership team, they, their families are set for life now. Champagne, baby. Crystal. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. They're rich. They're rich. And Adobe has eliminated a competitor. They can put it behind their paywall and offer it as a, a branded Adobe product that they really should probably have. And most importantly, Figma no longer exists. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, it's again, it's like, okay, this is the way this goes. This is probably their best option. This has happened before. Just the numbers got bigger, right? Instagram, Facebook. How many spreadsheet companies has Microsoft managed to buy and destroy? Don't you think, too, though, there's something about the fact that what Figma was successful at was building really good design apps for the web? Like, these are web apps. Yeah, well, Adobe's been making mouth noises about doing web apps, too. I wonder if that's a factor. I'm sure it is. But I'm just saying, they just paid $20 billion for a company that makes mostly web apps. I mean, they make other stuff, but they make mostly web apps. $20 billion for web apps. Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, nobody does anything for one reason, right? They paid $20 billion for probably the web know-how and the application itself. And, you know, of that $19 billion was to kill a competitor. That's yeah, right. I mean, exactly. That's that's, yeah. One billion was for the tech. Right. 19 billion was to kill them. Um, I completely agree. I just think it's it's kind of to your point where like everything eventually reverts back to the web. Um, and that's this is this is a 20 billion dollar bet by Adobe that web apps are ultimately the direction all platforms are going. The, the web, I think, is just the front end of, you know, the future quote TM Mike Dominic defined as like the next five years. Right. Not, uh, I, you know, we, we don't have this on the dock, but I've been digging into Oculus development a little bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just icky. Right. W once you're used to the freedom of the open web, you know, once you're in like a commercial where you're cracking open a Bud Light, driving on your Harley in a denim jacket. Towing a Ford. Well, of course you have an F-150. I mean, <laughs> yeah. how could you not? And none of this electric crap, right? I want diesel. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's pretty expensive right now. No, I, I just filled up my car, my sedan, and I was like, hmm, maybe I could just walk. Yeah. This road trip, the federal rate is uh, like 78 cents or something like that for reimbursement. But I just don't think it's going to cover it because, you know, the RV gets eight, nine, ten miles per gallon. <laughs> and we're going to the bottom of California. Hmm. That's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be expensive. Gas is just going to, and, and it's in the, it's in, at least in the continuous states, it's like the state with the most expensive gas too. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, well, you know, California. But we do it because we love the people. You know, I go to California, not because I want to go to California, but because we love the people and we're going to go to JPO. That's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be fascinating to see where this goes, you know, and if, what other consolidations we see, because I think you're right. These companies that can get access to big money or have been sitting on big money. There's some companies that are ready to sell. And these startups that can't IPO now. That's re really the thing. It, it's the thing is the, you know, this is like the middle school dance. There's just not many dancing partners left. The, the girls might say yes now. That's making the startups. My middle school was Catholic school, so it was kind of weird. But yeah, I don't know. A bunch of the other sold, like Snap. I know he went on stage at Code and said he's not for sale. He snaps for sale, right? So is the weird one where where people like to do like their 
wishboards or whatever. I can't remember the name. It's the it's one of the social labs. There's a bunch of them that are everything's for sale now. Everything is in play except for Twitter because I don't know what's happening over there. But every day it just seems to be getting worse. Boostergram. Marchie boosted in with one, two, three, four sats on the topic of uniforms. I've lived a less strict form of this for a while, and I think it's valuable for saving brain cycles. I have five plus black V-neck t-shirts and five plus black button down long sleeve shirts. It's hard to think of an occasion when you can't wear one of those. Making a morning selection just easy. I say it's a little less strict because it's not always a hard and fast rule. It's just a default selection that I can always fall back to. Other outfits can still be used. I'd recommend to Chris just buy lots of one top that you like. That's nice and simple, Marchie. You know, Mike, I've been thinking, I actually think for folks that are working from home too, the uniform lifestyle seems like the perfect compromise because it's it's ridiculous. Like when you're working from home, it's this fine line of, do I get dressed? How presentable do I want to feel? If you have video meetings, like there's all these factors. And so again, a uniform makes the work from home lifestyle easier too. Thank you, Marchie. Trev Dev boosted in with a row of ducks. But honest and truly, I am Robin Hood. Uh, we were talking about dynamic ads. He says the jokes on the crappy advertisers. I may be 38, but I went bald at 23. And all I need is my imagination and my razor. <laughs> what about a bed? Could we sell you on a new bed? You order a bed online, they ship it to you in a box. You'll never get it back in that box, but they will let you ship it back to them somehow for free if you don't like it. After you get it all set up, you get your clothes on there, you make your mess on it, and you decide you don't like it, they'll let you box it back up somehow and ship it back to them for free. Somehow. Can I sell you on that, Trev Dev? That's it. That's all the boosts we got. See, people don't like the shows you do when you're sick, so they don't boost in. I know. They're, they're mourning for me, or or they're playing MTG Arena. That could be it. We probably, was probably we actually did get some boosts that just didn't make it on air. I wanted to say thank you. Everybody who does boost in, we read all of them. A couple of shout-outs. Uh, Jobber Crowley boosted in 500, just saying uh, thanks for the show. Uh, Noob Steve boosted, and I'll share this with you privately. He boosted in 4,444 sats to give us a little more details about Red Hat Linux on those drone systems. Some specifics. Uh, but he thought maybe for security purposes, we probably shouldn't discuss those bits on air. Um, it's nothing specific. It's like no big secrets. But, you know, why get an operational security stuff? We don't need to. Uh, but we did get more details on where RHEL is used. And uh, the uh, short answer is everywhere. You were right. Everything. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> even, the, even the things in the sky. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> wow. Uh, also, I want to say hi to Willie Ramos. I think that's how you say it. Uh, thank you, everybody who boosted in. You can do so by getting a new podcast app. Upgrade to a new podcasting Toronto compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. I also like Fountain FM specifically. I'll have a link to my profile in the notes where you can uh, follow my boosts and my clips and the ones I do. Or go try Podverse, the totally GPL one that's available for Android, iOS, the web, and FDroid. And a big thank you to our members. A Coderly will be coming your way soon, I suppose. We may have to do it while I'm on the road. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. We'll figure out a time. But every quarter, we do a Coderly report for our members as a special thank you, a little exclusive content for them. They also get an ad-free version of the show. You can go invest in our content production at coderqa.co or all of the shows at jupiter.party. <sighs> all right. It's exciting. I'm not freaking out at all about leaving right now. I'm not panicked that we're not ready. I'm not freaking out, I promise. Is there anywhere you want to send people before I go have my panic attack? 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Caught me with that one. Uh, just follow me at Dumanuko on Twitter. And uh, I have a special super duper thing coming out on DominicM.com tomorrow. You will probably be interested in it, you dirty, dirty hippies. Definitely. Definitely. I think I know what it is. And I recommend. I definitely recommend. All right. That does wrap it up. You can find me on the Twitters at Chris LES, the podcast at Coder Radio Show. Our Matrix chat room that's going all the time and during our live streams, that's at coder.show slash matrix. And of course, we're live on Mondays, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern at jupiter.tube. And links to what we talked about today, those are at coder.show slash 484. You'll find our contact page over there, our subscribe page, all of that goodie right there. Mm. It's nice and easy. It's called a web page. Maybe it's a web app now. You tell me. coder.show slash contact. Thanks for joining us. See you right back here next week.